Good evening. Hope everyone is doing well. Tonight we're learning Maseches Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yud Beis. Um, our learning tonight is going to look a little truncated from our normal normal blot in half. We're starting halfway down on Yud Beis Madalav, which to start with is abnormal, but the last sugya ended there. Um, and then um, on top of that, oh, let me just make sure this video records properly. Here we go. Um, and then on top of that, we're only going to be ending about halfway down on Yud Gimel Amidalif, not that much material. Um, and then on Shabbos, we'll knock out uh, a blot and three quarters. I have a blot and three quarters to get to, to get through Daf Yudalit. And then as mentioned, next week's schedule is uh, a little choppy, and I will make sure to communicate with all of you. Now, we uh, when we when if you were to look back on Daf Bays, you'd see that our Mishnah speaks about, obviously, the four Rosh Hashanahs. And one of them was... Um, one of them was Echad B'Tishrei. And the last thing listed for Echad B'Tishrei, for Aleph Tishrei, for Rosh Hashanah, the last one listed is Yerakos, is vegetables. So the problem is that whenever we see a Mishnah, uh, we're right now halfway down on Yud Bezim and Aleph at the two dots. Whenever we see our Mishnah, the Gemara is always going to bring any correlated Brises or Toseftas. See, here is what the, the opening Brisa says in our Gemara. It's actually a Tosefta. Here's what it says. It says Uli Yerakos. Our Mishnah says Yerakos. What does the Tosefta have to say? Let's compare the Tosefta to our Mishnah. The Mishnah doesn't only say Yerakos has the date of Aleph Tishrei, but also Uli Yerakos, Uli Maestros, Uli Nadarim. So says the Gemara, this comparison requires a lot of analysis. Our Mishnah only said Yerakos is Aleph Tishrei in regards to vegetation. Yet over here, <clears throat> we see vegetables and we see Meiser and we see Nadarm. So let's go through let's go through this comparative analysis between our Mishnah and this Tosefta, Yerakos, Maininhu. When we're talking about vegetables, what is Aleph Tishrei used for? So the Gemara says Meiser Yerek. It's talking about the tithing. For Yerek, what that means is for the be- for vegetables are only required to have tithing midorabonon. It's not like animals that are midoraisa, but for the vegetation. So however many pieces of corn you grow in any calendar year from, from Aleph Tishrei to the end of Elul. So then you divide by 10 and that's what you're obligated to give. So let's say you had a huge bushel the next day on Aleph Tishrei, Tavshin Pei Gimel. So that's not, that doesn't count in this year's math equation. You know, it's like everybody always tries to sneak in some charity at the end of the at the end of the calendar year to, to sneak it into their taxes. Does it really make a difference? It doesn't really make a difference. It's either this year or next year. It doesn't really matter. So, the, but the Gemara says over here that really <clears throat> what we're talking about for Adlish Tishrei is Meiser Yerek. Says the Gemara Meiser Yerek. Then the Tosefta doesn't make sense because the Tosefta says Hainu Meisros. Look at the beginning of the two dots. Tanalia Rakos to the Meisros. You just said that Yerek is to teach me about Meister Yerek, but the next word is it's Maestros, which means that it's talking about two different things. So therefore, the Gemara says two-thirds of the way down on Yud Beis Tana de Rabbanon Tana de Arisa. We have both the rabbinic requirement for <clears throat> Meister, which is vegetables, and we also have the Deoraisa one, which is speaking about things like animals, whatever the case may be. So says the Gemara, why does our Mishnah indicate the rabbinic one first, Vikatani de Oraisa Beresha, Belisni, excuse me. Maybe we should teach the Oraisa Beresha. We should have taught the one that's the uh, Oraisa first. So the Brisa that's in the middle of Yud Bezim and Aleph should not have started out with Yurakos Ula Maisros, but it should have said Maisros U Yurakos to show and highlight the halachic distinction between the two, which is that Maisros in general are de Oraisa and Yerek by Maisros by Yerek are de Rabbanon. So why did the Gemara do that? So says the Gemara, and this is such a beautiful and critical hashkafa that we have to hold on to. It is so important. And I, as a teacher in the classroom, when I was a Rebbe in Halatorah, 
These questions came up all the time. NCSY, every Shabbaton. What does the Gemara say? The fact that he had such an ahava for the Dinder Rabbanan, therefore he taught it first, the author of this Tosefta. So we live a world of Dirabanans. If we only lived a world of Doraisas, our Shabbos would look completely different. Muksa wouldn't be a problem. Uber, I mean, the world would look totally different. We live a world through the lens of the Chachamim. And it has to be the case, it has to be the case that it is a... How do you get it? Uh, it's like, it's they open the door. I've done it before. And if they're LED lights, it's not even a Nizir al Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. A grama, maybe. I don't know. You got to figure it out. It's not hard to get in. I've done it many times. But the hashkafa here is critical. And sometimes we feel like, ah, oh, come on, this dinder rabbanan, where are the rabbis? No, no, that's an unacceptable hashkafa. Our hashkafa is that the lens of the chachamim is accurate. And the Gemara will say a little bit later today in a different context, the same yesod. But this is such an important idea, not only for us, but we have to share it with those around us. The dine de rabbanan create the culture of from Torah Judaism. And we cannot lose this very important line of Aidi de Chavivale Akhtame, the fact that he loved it so much, the din de rabbanan of my sir, the mitzvah de rabbanan by Yerak, he, he taught it first. Okay, Vitana Didan. What about the author of our Mishnah? The author of our Mishnah, if we look back on Dav Beis, all it says is Liarakos. It doesn't say the Maisros. So our Mishnah only taught the din de rabbanan. So how does our Mishnah explain itself? At least the Tosefta could say we taught both the Dorabanan and the Doraisa. The Tana Didan, what about our Mishnah? <clears throat> Says the Gemara Tana Dorabanan. It taught us in our Mishnah, Yurakos uses Aleph Tishrei as its line in the sand, the Kol Shekain Doraisa, and of course, all the more so, Meister is going to have the same date, but our Mishnah, the author of our Mishnah, assumed it to be obvious that if we're going to have Meister Yerek, we're going to have a case of Yurakos that have Meister Midirabanan, then certainly that date will be used for Doraisa. Says the Gemara, I don't understand. If why did you say Maasros, but Taina of Meiser? Why don't you just say the word Meiser in the singular instead of in the plural? So says the Gemara, because Echad Meiser Behema Vechad Meiser Dagan. There's different kinds of Meisros. We're not talking about Yerik anymore. We're talking about the word Meisros. Why does the Tosefta say the word in the plural of Maasros? It says the Gemara, because we have animals and we have Dagan. Both of them are required Midoraisa, but they're different genres. One is animal, one is food. So they're very reasonable to distinguish. And therefore, the Tosefta, when it listed Meiser, it listed it in the plural and not in the singular. Okay, Velisna Yerek, why does it say Yerakos in, in the Brisa and in our Mishnah? In both cases, I believe, yes. In both cases, it says Yerek in the plural. It says Yerakos, says the Gemara, because even there, Trey Gavne Yerek, there's two different kinds. It's not really categories, but two different forms of packaging for Yerakos. What are they? Ditanan. Four lines from the bottom, Yudbez Medalov. The Mishnah writes, when you have veg- vegetables that are all tied up together, so then they're going to be chayib in their miser once they're tied up. But if you have them in a basket, whatever, and they're not all tied up, once the kli is full, that's when they're chayib in miser. So because there are two ways to assess when that threshold of the chiyuv of Meiser is brought about, so therefore the language both in our Mishnah and in the Tosefta by Yerakos was plural and not singular, because we wouldn't have wanted to leave room for an accidental inference that maybe it's different if it's tied versus if it's untied. It is not. The halacha is the same in both cases, that you're chayiv Meiser. Tanu Rabbana, the rabbis taught us two lines from the bottom. We're going to be discussing now how important it is when it comes to Yerek, 
that Aleph Tishrei is in fact the line in the sand. And the Gemara here, quoting again from a Tosefta, is quite explicit. So right before Rosh Hashanah, it's the day that Rosh Hashanah will begin that night. So it's the last day of the month of Elul, right? So that day you go out and you collect food. Good. And then, Vichazar, what? Nothing else to do. No. Nothing else to do on Erev, on Erev Rosh Hashanah. And then, Vichazar Velike Mishetavo Hashemesh. Now we're talking already on the day of Rosh Hashanah. You go out and you gather uh, you gather and you harvest, which of course would be an Isser Do Raisa. You're not allowed to do that. Take a look at the top tosos on the page. Uh, you have a guy who's doing the work for you. But if the guy works for you, but you own the field, so wh- how does the Meiser play out? So says the Gemara, don't worry. It's just fiscal year, whatever it is. So it's going to be in Jewish calendar. It's going to be Tishrei Te'el, Aleph Tuchav Tesedel. Whatever it is, it's going to be that whole year. I, so it's your produce and it already grew, but the harvesting didn't take place till Aleph Tishrei. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, the, if you harvested something before Rosh Hashanah and you had workers harvest something on Rosh Hashanah, the halacha is that they are not in the same category in regards to dividing by 10 and giving out Meiser. Aleph Tishrei is a firm, firm line in the sand, made very clear by the Brisa, by this Tosefta. On Yud Beis and Beis, toward the top, three lines from the top, Im Haisa Shnia Nichneses Lishlishis. If it were to be the case where the produce from year two was uh, crossing into the next year of year three of a Shemitah cycle, so then Shnia in the second year, Maiser Rishon and Maiser Sheni. In the second year, there would be Maiser Rishon and Maiser Sheni, but in Shlishis, there would be no Meiser Sheni. In Shlishis, it would be Meiser Rishon or Meiser Ani. And how do we know that in the third year of the cycle of Shemitah, that the Meisros that were brought that second year, that, that third year of the cycle, it excluded Meiser Sheni and included Meiser Rishon and Meiser Ani, says the Gemara, Minahani Mili. And the Gemara responds as follows Amar Rabbi Yoshev and Levi. That's what the Pasuk says. That when you're going to be bringing Meiser from your Tvua in the third year, Shnas Hama'aser, that's, that's a singular word. So there shouldn't be multiple, says the Gemara. Shana She'in Ba'ela Meiser Echa, there's only one Meiser. Ha'ketzad, says the Gemara, it's very simple. Meiser Rishon Meiser Ani, those are the two that you bring. That's not singular. We, we said it's singular. Now you're saying you bring Meiser Rishon and Meiser Ani. Umeiser Sheni Yivata, but, but in year three, you don't bring the Meiser Sheni, says the Gemara. O Eno Ela Af Meiser Rishon Nami Yivata. Maybe we shouldn't even bring the Meiser Rishon. After all, the Pasuk says Maaser in the singular. Maybe we should assume that in year three of the seven year cycle, that we should only bring Meiser Sheni, not Meiser Rishon, and not, we should only bring Meiser Ani. Not Meiser Rishon and not Meiser Sheni. Says the Gemara Talmud Lomar, no, there has to be two. There's going to be Meiser Rishon and there's going to be Meiser Ani. Talmud Lomar, the reason we know that there's still Meiser Rishon is because of El Halavi'im Tidaber, Vamarta Lehem Kisichu Meis Bene Israel, Samaser, Shanasati Lachem, Meitam, Benacha Laschem. It is said as it is the Pasuk uses the word of in its inheritance, in your inheritance. He kishu The Maiser Rishon is compared to an inheritance. Ma in Nothing is really going to stop the, the, the Yerusha. It's always going to be given. Af Rishon, Same thing is true here. And therefore, what the Pasuk is indicating is that 
uh, in year three, this is really a side point to our sugya, but in year three of the Shemitah cycle, one would bring Maeser Rishon, that was brought all seven years of the Shemitah cycle, and one would bring Maeser Ani, that was going to be brought as well, specifically in year number three. The Gemara says in my gear, so the Gemara Tanya Idach, that's incorrect. The, what the Gemara means to say is Tanya Nami Hachi. Is that what it has in the non-art scrolls? Does it say Tanya Nami Hachi or Tanya Idach? Huh? Only on the side. So that is a, a critical distinction. And the reason why it's a critical distinction is because Tanya Idach normally implies that what you're about to read argues or is different than what we see here. We will see that that's not the case. Tanya Nami Hachi, one third of the way down on Yudbeiz and Midbeiz. And the Gemara says, Ki Aser V'gomer. This is what the Brisa says, quotes the Pasuk, Shana she'en echa. that's what we just saw above. That was the whole argument we saw to try to explain why in the third year of the seven-year cycle <clears throat> that we are going to bring Maeser Rishon and Maeser Ani, but not Maeser Sheni. How does it work? Maeser Rishon and Maeser Ani. Those are the two types of Maeser you bring in year three, Maeser Sheni Yavatel. Yachol af Maeser Rishon nami Yavatel. Maybe we should assume that in year three that we're also going to do away with Maeser Rishon Talmud Lomar, then the Gemara presents an answer that we didn't yet see. Talmud Lomar, Uva Halevi, the Pasuk says, Uva Halevi, Kozman Sheba, Tainlo, as long as he's got a job, you've got to pay him. And therefore, my Rishon is going to be paid even in year three. Divi Rabbi Huda, but Rabbi Lazar, Ben Yaakov Omer, Enotzarach. We don't need that Pasuk because Harehu Omer, Vela Levim, Tedaber, Vemarta Lehem, Kisi Chumes, Bnei Israel, Esama Aser, Asher Nasati Lechem, Meitam Benachalaschem. He goes back to the Pasuk we learned earlier. And that's why this Bryce is brought as a perfect Raya to what we explain. Kishu Akasav Benachalach. And we repeat the same svara that the pasuk here speaks and we make a comparison of the Maeser Rishon to a Nachala. Let's review. Let's review what we were discussing uh, uh, most recently toward the bottom of Yudbeiz and Aleph, starting two lines from the bottom, was a question of that very firm line in the sand of Aleph Tishrei. And we said that as it relates to someone who harvested right before Rosh Hashanah began, and your Nachri, who um, who harvested right after, that those two things are not in comparison. Then as a tangent, the Gemara explained when do we give Maeser Rishon, Maeser Shani, and Maeser Ani throughout the seven-year period. We know that it's usually a one and two are the same and three is different. That's kind of the format. And your four and five are the same and then six is different and then Shemitah is Shemitah. So there's no, right, there's no Meister during, during that time. So then says the Gemara, the Gemara concludes that the third year is different and we bring we bring Raya's from the Psukim um, to sets of Psukim according to the Rabbi Huda, one, one, one for Rabbi Huda and one for the Rabbi Lazar ben, was Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. I think that's who it was. Uh, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, to say that uh, we know that we bring Maeser Rishon even in year three, and we especially bring Maeser Ani. Uh, again, a tangent to our sugya, um, and the reason why we know that we bring Maeser Rishon is because of its comparison to Nachala, to an inheritance. Tanu Rabbanan, uh, and the, oh, sorry, and then the Tosefta had said, Ulinadarim, we're two-thirds of the way down at the two dots. This is referring back to the uh, to the Gemara that we started with today, the one that's halfway down on Yudbeiz and Aleph, a Tosefta that said, So now we're focusing on the word Ulinadarim, that Nadarim also used Aleph Tishrei as its line in the sand. Let's explain. Says the Gemara, Tanu Rabbanan, Hamudar Hanamechavero Lishonah. Let's say that I say about one of you, I want to get no hana from you for a year. Follow the language. For a year. Then, if that's what I say, that's 12 months on the clock. Okay. What if my language was different? I don't want to get any hana from you this year. That's different than saying for a year. 
I don't want to see you for a year or I don't want to see you this year. You know, sometimes people like jokingly say in the office when they leave on December 24th for a week, I'll see you next year. That's mamish this Gemara, but with more Kedusha. Well, this has more Kedusha, not that. And the Gemara says right here, and if a person says just for this year, then listen to this. You're mamish on the last day of the year. And you're mudar hana from your friend. I don't want to talk to you for all of this year. Well, then tomorrow, Shachris, you can go say good morning and good Shabbos. No problem at all. You're all your whole mudar hana is done. Everything works out. Okay, so it says the Gemara, even according to the person, and we saw this machlokas a couple of days ago, as to whether or not we treat one day as a year, even though he would in other cases argue, here he agrees that if someone is mudar hana, they accept upon themselves to gain no benefit from one of their friends for this year, they agree that even if it was chavtes of Elul and the clock ticks and hits, strikes shkia or says or whatever the actual moment is in time when things turn over to the next day, all is well. Because what was the whole idea of being mudar hana? Says the Gemara wasn't out of anger. He meant to make something difficult for himself. And it was difficult for him for that day. Sufficient dayenu. So that's enough. So even though the person would other the person who normally holds that one day is never representative of a year, here he would agree because you accomplished what you set out to accomplish. Says the Gemara, all of this is great, but why Tishrei? Ve'ema Nisan. Right? Well, why is it the Bainadaram that we have to speak about Tishrei? Our Mishnah already indicated, we've learned a couple of blot about this, that Aleph Nisan is for Chodashim. Nisan is the first month of the year. So whenever we do any counting, the Psukim say Shani, it means Nisan, ER, second month of the year, because the first of the month of the year is Nisan. So say Nisan Bainadaram also. Why is it that Bainadaram? that we always go with Tishrei. So the Gemara goes with a little bit of a psychological answer maybe, or kind of like common, common parlance, the way people speak. Because when a person speaks, they say, for this whole year, I'm not going to bend. They're not thinking Nisa. They're not thinking in halachic terms. They're thinking from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. We're going into their head a little bit. We're not 100% sure, but we make the halachic assertion that what they are thinking about is the month of Tishrei. All right, um, one more, uh, a couple more quick sugas for tonight. Says the Gemara, Tanan Hasam, there is a Mishnah that speaks about uh, fenugreek, Hatilsan, Mishatitzmach. We consider that to be, um, we consider that to be uh, its line in the sand from one year to the next, is once it's fully grown. Okay, Tilsan is fenugreek. It is actually, in today's classifications, it would be considered an herb. But the Chachamim did not view it that way. They uh, possibly looked at it as a legume because it does have some seeds in it. And they possibly looked at it as some type of grassy growth. From what I've read, I, I read up a little bit early on, online today. I think from what I read, it seems to be very similar to what a clover looks like. It's a leafy type of herb that also has some seeds. However, they, the, the, the reason why it's being brought here as the sample is because it's not classical Yerek, because Yerek we're, we have already learned about and we're gonna learn about more in a few minutes. So it says the Gemara as follows. In regards to Tilsan, the way we determine one year from the next is when it's grown. When we speak about grain, the hazesim or olives, there it's different. That's That has to be grown at least one third. Okay, going back to the fenugreek for a second. Once the seeds have shown themselves, they've grown, the seeds have grown. 
And in regards to the fact that we are under the assumption that the grains and the olives have to be a third grown, that a third grown, if it's a third grown before Rosh Hashanah, then it belongs to the Shemitah year. If it's not a third grown, arguably, if it's only a quarter grown by the time Rosh Hashanah kicks in, then it belongs to the non-Shemitah year. So let's dig into this. Menani, Mili, how do we know? Amar Rav Asi, Amar Rav Yochanan. So it was said in the name of Rav Yochanan, Umatu Bey, some say that it wasn't in the name of Rav Yochanan, but rather, Mishmei de Rav Yossi Haglili. So discussion of this conversation happened from a Tana or from an Amora. Interesting. This is not so common uh, from my exposure. It, this is not so common that the that the, we're unsure if the conversation started with an Amora, though granted Rav Yochanan was a pretty early uh, Amora. Nevertheless, that is the case. Amar Kra, the Pasuk says in regards to Hakel. Very unique Pasuk. Mikates Sheva Shanim Bamoed Sukos. At the end of the seven years, in the holiday, in the Shnasa Shmita. How is that possible? Shnasa Shmita, Maevite Sukos. I don't understand. If we finished our seventh year, then why are you referring to Sukkis as Shnasa Shmita? That means it's the Sukkis of the eighth year. When does the year end? Tishrei, as it relates to Shemitah. So you go through the whole, the whole cycle, right? So Tafshin Pei Beis right now is a Shna Shemitah. And right now we're a couple of months into the year. You come up to Chavtes Elul, the clock changes, and then the next Sukkot in Tafshin Pei Gimel, which is a non-Shemitah year, the Pasuk referred to as Shna Shemitah Bechag Sukos. Says Gemara, what are you talking about? Shminis he. That's not the seventh year. That's the eighth year. Why are you referring to that sukkis and tafshin pei gimel after the Shemitah year as, as Shna Shemitah? Oh, so says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom on Yud Beis and Beis, Ela Lomar Lach, this comes to teach you that kol tvua, any grains, sheheviya shlish b'shviis lifne Rosh Hashanah, that reached one third of its growth prior to Aleph Tishrei, atanoheg baminag shviis b'shminis. Wow. We then treat the growth of that item into the Shminis year because the product we're discussing is already a third grown during the Shemitah year. In other words, when something is growing during the Shemitah year, do we say that as long as the seed was planted during Shemitah, then the entire tree forever is Shemitah? No, we don't say that. Only if the produce was grown one-third of its growth, which is hard to measure. The Gemara is going to discuss this momentarily on Yudgimel Amidalev. Only if that's the case, do we treat it as being part of Tafshin Pei Beis as part of the Shemitah year, and under those circumstances, we therefore have a, uh, a prohibition of consuming that food in the next year. It's still Shana Shemitah as it relates to that food. We assume that the food that was a third grown in, from Tafshin Pei Aleph is non-Shemitah food. Correct. So it works. We'll see that in a minute, actually. Great question, David. It works in both. It, the rule is the same, right? As long as something is a third grown before a year kicks in, it always has the previous year status. And this, says the Gemara, based on the Pasuk, is our proof. This, this Pasuk from Hakel that, that speaks about Sukkot in the, in, the, in the eighth year as the language of Shana Shemitah to show us that there needs to be some growth from the year of Shemitah that obviously carries over, and that amount is one-third, even though the Pasuk doesn't say explicitly one-third. And that the Gemara calls out, hang on one second, top of Yod Gimel Maybe when the Pasuk was speaking, it wasn't talking about anything growing at all. Maybe it's just Maybe all the Pasuk was saying is that Shemitah doesn't stop at Aleph Tishrei. Maybe all the Pasuk was saying is that 
No, you just can't eat anything until Sukkot, which is the 15th of the month of Tishrei. And forget everything you said about Aleph Tishrei in the Mishnah. Forget it. Done. And therefore, your whole argument about one-third uh, one third ripe, forget it. Totally irrelevant. Says that, that can't be the case. Why? Because a couple lines down in Yun Gimel, the Gemara says, the, the Pasuk says, the Chag, the holiday of Asif, of gathering. My Asif. What does the Pasuk mean when it says Asif? Ilema, like you want to say that it's Chag Habab, Isman Asifa, that we're talking about a holiday where all you're doing is gathering the food. It's not a question of growing it a third. Well, that we already had referenced. It must therefore be my asif. It must be talking about kutsir, about actually harvesting. And the rabbis, when they speak about harvesting at the end of a Shemitah year, they are talking about the following. The kultvush, any fruit, any vegetate, uh, any grains, got to be very careful with the language here. Any grains that are niktzerabichag, that are going to be harvested, after the time of the 15th of Nisan, we can understand retroactively that that means So we're making an assumption. Any food that is ready, any grains that are ready to be harvested by the 15th of, of Tishrei, by definition, it means that they were one third ripe already. And that is considered to be from the Shemitah year. And therefore, it's considered to be Shemitah even past the, into the eighth year. It says the Gemara, um, how do we know that the Chachamim know what they're talking about? The Chachamim know, well, all of a sudden they're botanists. They know that if the 15th of Tishrei kicks in, that all of a sudden we know by definition that every grain is one third ripe on the last day of the previous year. It says the Gemara, this is almost sounds like a rebellious question. All of a sudden they know. It sounds like the kid in the in the back of the class, you know. They're like, "Hey, um, Rabbi, Rabbi, hold on one second. What if it's thirty nine point nine 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 saw?" So the Gemara is going to answer exactly with this question, and the Gemara gives this person a little patch. didn't I tell you? Don't step out of the bounds of halacha. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is to our right and a little bit lower than where we are, a quarter of the way down or so, maybe a third. Dibur Hamaschil. Don't step out of bounds. You got to follow what the Chachamim are saying here. They know what they're talking about. Again, as I mentioned earlier, a slight foreshadow. This message is now twice in today's daf. The Chachamim knew what they were talking about. So therefore, says the Gemara, all of them are correct. We know that the rule is that if a woman was to go to the mikvah as a nida, and she goes to the mikvah with 40 or 40 with 40 equal to or greater than 40 sa, then she will come out on the other side to Hora. So if she's Tovelas, Barbaim Sa Chaser Kortov, if it's missing one tiny little amount, and this measurement is one fifteen hundredth approximately, it's actually a little different. It's one. Uh, one unit to 1,536 units, then she's a nida. Unbelievable. I, it, you're only missing a little bit. It, it, it's, it, was like, it would be like you're arguing in a basketball game when you needed to win by one. And the, the toe was on the, was on the paint of the three points, just a smidgen, just a little bit. The ref calls it two points, not three, tie game into overtime. Why? Because you're touching the paint. So, oh, she wants to go to the mikvah, but but someone took a teaspoon of water out of the 40 sa. Yeah, she's a nida. 
She's Anita. That doesn't work. Not only that, we know, we've learned before a number of times in Shas, that in order for a food to transfer Tuma to something else, it must be itself a Kibetza. Kibetza, shum shum, even if you're missing a little bit of sesame, one sesame seed. What are we talking about? Tiny, 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 minuscule amount. Afal Pikain. That would then change things. Then the tuma would not transfer. These shiurim are very specific. And lastly, shlosha al shlosha mitame medras. If you have uh, a garment that's three by three tfachim, so then it's mitame medras. Then it can become tame from from stepping on it or from leaning on it. Shlosha al shlosha chaser nima achas. Even if you're missing one thread, you're done. You're no longer in a scenario where that would be uh, subject to Tumas Medras, Enumetame Medras, and therefore what the Chachamim have set up for us is exacting. Sometimes, and it's easy to do this, where we look at Dine de Rabbanan and we're like, ah. so that's, that is absolutely not the right Hashkafa. Uh, and we would be, uh, by definition, pulling at the threads of Torah Judaism if we looked at, at Dine de Rabbanan that way. Because, uh, yeah, they're rabbinic, they're rabbinic. The Ramban writes that violating a rabbinic prohibition is worse than violating a Doraisa. Because when you violate a Dinder Abanan, you're also violating a biblical commandment that we are obligated to listen to the Chachamim. So the Chachamim guide us. Doesn't mean that everyone with the title of rabbi gets to tell you what to do. It means that you have to pick a rav. You have to pick a rav who has a misora, who you can build a good, healthy relationship with, and stick with him. I've shared this before. When people wanted to follow Rav Salavechik with his kulas about making tea on Shabbos, because he held that tea was tavlin. Tea is like spices, and we allow putting tavlin in a klisheni. So let's say you got your chalent and not the potatoes, because that's a harder conversation in halacha, but just the, the barley peas. You want to put a little pepper on there? It's a klisheni. No problem. So the Rav said, Rav Salavechik said, you can make tea also. It's a, it's a tavlin, it's a spice, it's an herb, no big deal. So everyone's like, great, I'm going shopping. I'm going to follow the Rav's kula in regards to tea. So the famous warning is, careful. If you follow his kulas, you also have to follow all of his chumas because he just became your Rav. Can't have it both ways. We need a Rav, we need a misora, and we need to stick with it. Can we put, can I ask a tangentially, can we sure. put ice in chalent? Ice? So it's a kli, it's, uh, it's, it's, if, if it's a kli shlishi, then there's no problem with that, provided that, yeah. it, it ruins shot. your, ch- it kills your chalent, totally kills your chalent. Let's ask the question a little differently. Let's ask you what you have a child who wants to have some soup. Are you allowed to put an ice cube soup? into the soup? Happy to have the conversation about soup, yeah. Okay, let's have the conversation about soup. So this is a little complicated because actually one of the challenging problems with putting ice into anything that's very hot is that it's not a spice, it's actually a food. And water is subject to bishel. So the real debate in regards to soup is whether the spoon, the ladle, functioned as a klisheni. If the ladle functioned as a klisheni, then your soup bowl is a klishlishi. If the ladle functions not as a klisheni, but as a continuation of the klishon, then your bowl is a klisheni and putting ice in is problematic if the resulting temperature would be yadso lettuce bowl. Most soup bowls are small enough and the ice cube would lower the temperature enough depending on the ice cube, whatever. So that would be a little bit of a discussion. And interesting, some of the posts can distinguish between a ladle that is made out of metal, which gets extremely hot. And if it's sitting there in the hot soup, it's effectively the clear shown, in which case your bowl's a klisheni, in which case the ice is not such a good idea. If you use a plastic one, plastic ones, I can't remember, is it they carry heat terribly or they, they conduct heat poorly or excellently? I can't remember which one is it. Plastic is poor. 
So that means it's not holding on to the heat. By the time you take it out of the water, it's cooled down to the air almost entirely. And you can touch it with your bare hands. That makes it a klisheni because the definition of a klisheni in halacha, the Gemara says this, is that the walls of the klisheni are not as hot as the klirisho. And therefore your bow would be a klishlishi and then you're good to go on the, on the ice cubes. But again, if it doesn't reach out, so let us know you solve the problem. We'll stop right here and pick up on Shabbos almost halfway down and you'll give them a wishing you all a beautiful night. Do you happen to know the Shabbos times?